Welcome to Grounding Grief, a podcast dedicated to talking about grief. I'm Ann Beecher, host. If you like this podcast, follow, rate, or review it, or email me with your thoughts at Ann, A-N-N, at groundinggrief.com. Post-holidays, as each year comes quickly to a close, I notice a shift in my grief. This year, grief's grip loosened. I can feel myself exhale with a sigh of relief. We did it. We made it through the holidays. Again. Similar to everyone else, I look to the new year with its promise of a fresh start and the opportunity to become a better version of myself. This hasn't always been true. In 2014, I wanted to stay frozen in time. After Victoria died, I knew that the world and people's lives continued to march on, as did time. Yet I clung desperately to every last moment of 2014, not wanting to let it go, for it was the last year in which she had been alive, even if only for a part of it. When the calendar turned to 2015, it meant that I would forever go forward, living full years without her in them. There would be no new memories to make of and with her, and so I braced myself to face what would be the first of many years without her. Subsequent years have been easier to face. Over time, I discovered that nestled quietly beside my grief sits hope. The hope I will see her again, a hope I will have the strength to endure her absence every day I awaken, and the hope that the pain of her loss will ease. Shortly after her death, I concluded her energy had become the wind. To my mind, it made perfect sense her energy had transformed into air, for she died by strangulation, seeking air her body could no longer take in. Even now, the wind upon my face reminds me of her. I sense her vibrant being, whether from a cooling breeze in summer or an icy blast in winter. I smile and nod to her then. My grief has led me into new territories. In its early days, when I was most raw, posting on social media provided a healthy outlet. It allowed for an unsynchronized form of communication where I could explore feelings I found too overwhelming to expose in face-to-face conversations. I did not have to consider whether I was being repetitive, tedious, boring, or perhaps too spiritual, mystical, or frightening when I wrote about the things that happened to me that touched upon the worst fears of others. When I posted my thoughts and feelings, I took risks. I learned to be vulnerable, and I learned to use my voice. Victoria remains a part of me today. She shadows me as I go about my days and inhabits my present in ways unknowable except by others who have endured a similar loss. As I wander this realm of grief and hope, I've discovered others who dwell in this territory. New friendships have been made. One of these is my friendship with Liz Newman, a young woman who took to writing poetry as a way to process her grief when her father died. She's published two books, I Look to the Morning Sky, and I look to the gentle rain. Her writings speak to me in ways no other books have to date. Throughout this episode, I'll read a sampling of her poems. If her words resonate with you the way they have with me, 
hopeful, healing, and helpful. I encourage you to find them on Amazon or email me at ann, A-N-N, at groundinggrief.com, and I'll send you a link. From I Look to the Morning Sky The Thing About Grief The thing about grief is it can never fully go away. It greets me with every new milestone. It grates at my heart with every missed conversation. A lifetime of I love yous overflowing and overwhelming. The hug I long for, the advice I needed, the scars that time simply can't smooth over. I miss you pulsates in the background of my days, a frequency that goes unheard by most of the people around me. Sometimes static and sometimes strong and demanding attention, the grief dials in and drives home the pain of such permanence, the ache of such an absence. But as long as there's grief, I will endure it because it means that you are here and that it mattered. As long as grief is here, I will endure it. As long as grief is here, we will endure it. From I Look to the Gentle Rain Joy After Loss Joy after loss is not a betrayal. The pain you felt does not have to shut the door of your shattered heart to the possibility of something beautiful awakening within your weary soul. This joy is yours. It is deepened by everything you've been through. This joy is yours. It'll honor every moment, the old and the new. This joy is yours to sustain and strengthen all you do. It's yours. Don't let the darkness take it from you. Welcome, and thank you, Liz, for joining me today. To begin, could you talk a little bit about your father, whose death inspired the poems you wrote, and to publish your two books? Absolutely. My father had chronic illnesses for most of my childhood. He had really gone downhill and was just getting sicker and sicker over the years. And we had many, many close calls. And in 2018, he was on a ventilator and they were discussing um, something called a terminal wean. And they were trying to prepare us saying that he wasn't going to make it off the ventilator. And miraculously, he ended up making it and pulling through with a lot of circumstances that just felt like divine intervention. And we got to have him around for three more years. And ultimately he passed away in 2021 after he had a stroke and then suffered complications from that stroke. But it was really still such a blessing in the way that it happened because he was at home. He got to be surrounded by family. He got to have his favorite music on and I did ultimately get there in time, which if anyone's been at the bedside, it's a huge blessing. And it's also so hard. It's both things at once, but I was really, really honored that I got to be there with him in those final moments. And you were really close with your father, I take it. Yes, very, very much so. I was definitely daddy's little girl growing up and we have a very close family unit, but yeah, he and I were just best buds and we really had something special. And I think it speaks to the person that he was too, because he didn't just have that kind of relationship with me. He had that with both of my siblings as well. And he just created an environment for all of us to love each other more deeply and 
him and my mom both. And she was his caregiver for years and years. So I was just blessed all the way around with the people that I, I have in my family and get to, to be around and love and learn from. And where are you in, in the sibling order? I'm the baby. So of course, daddy's little girl, you know, being the baby that that was extra fun too, for me to be, to be the youngest. (laughs) (laughs) Was your family able to provide space for one another to grieve because grieving is so personal. Um, And then to have to collectively grieve because that that was um, part of our experience when, when Victoria died. Yes. And like you touched on, everyone grieves so differently. And I don't think that we can ever fully understand how we're going to grieve until we're grieving. And even like when someone is sick and you have a little bit of time to prepare, you think you kind of know how you're going to react when it happens. And there's an anticipatory grief component to it. And you grieve a little bit beforehand, but once it happens, it's, it's different. And even for me, it was different day to day, even moment to moment sometimes. And I was very lucky because my family, we gave each other the space, but we also discussed like ways that we could walk alongside one another. And that was really helpful because we may have all been grieving the same person, but we had different relationships with him and we have different coping mechanisms and different things that were going to help us. And sometimes we had the same things that would help us, but not at the same time. And we have to be aware of that too, when we're walking alongside other people. So I think that it really opened us up to be really honest about what we were needing from moment to moment from each other. We experienced something very similar. I like to give my daughter Victoria credit for that kind of saying she was watching over and insisting we behave. (laughs) (laughs) She was the oldest (laughs) of three girls. So, um, and she was um, a very gentle, kind oldest sister. Um, So the, the two behind her really loved her and looked up to her and she fiercely loved them. I know you've probably heard this a million times, but I'm so incredibly sorry that this is part of your story and that that happened. And I can only imagine how that's felt over the years, walking through that and processing that. And I think it's so wonderful that you're willing to talk about it and have these conversations because I imagine it's not easy. Thank you. I, you know, I do thrive now. I I live with joy. I, I, of course, I would trade anything to have Victoria back, but I am so fundamentally changed as a human being for the better. And I think it's wonderful that you've gotten into podcasting and I I think it's such a cool medium and it's such a, a great way to open up to other people and to continue the conversation and to delve a little deeper into these topics and to really get to the heart of why grieving is so hard to talk about in the first place and how it differs for other people. And we live in a society that's very uncomfortable with grief and grieving. And especially after the first couple of weeks, I think that people just don't know what to do with it. Both the people that are grieving sometimes and the people that are walking alongside people that are grieving. And it's something that you just, you have to get into that space with someone. You have to be willing to sit there and bear witness and adjust accordingly because different people are going to need different things along the way. And I think that it's so uncomfortable and that's why it's not talked about very much because there's no formula and there's no like how to manual for grieving. And it's tricky. Really the biggest thing I've learned is that it's just about 
honoring your own processing and also honoring the process of the people around you and letting people into that however you can and whatever way you can and allowing yourself the time and space to have that support come alongside you and also know when you need a little bit of breathing room and you might need to step back and process by yourself for a little bit. And it's just such a dance and it's constantly changing. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned that it's just constantly in motion and evolving and changing. And the more conversations we have about it, the better, because we can better understand one another and how we can be there for each other. From I look to the morning sky, the process. Fear creeps in through a crack in an open window, a bitter cold enveloping a hurting soul, like an open wound seeking healing, like a fractured heart fatigued of feeling. And yet, We turn our eyes and our hearts to sunrise. We turn our hopes to the rays of warmth trickling through our windowpane, welcoming healing, welcoming the pieces, welcoming the process. From I Look to the Morning Sky, Share. Sharing the memories you have of someone is such a gift. Maybe it will remind that person about a piece of themselves they've lost touch with or how much the little things mattered. Or maybe a shared memory of a lost loved one will feel like a piece of them returned through another person's eyes. Sharing these memories, these stories, helps us hold tightly to the chapters already written as we look forward with hope to the ones we still might write. You have little children, right? I do. Um, My oldest is four and then my youngest is a year and a half, 17 months-ish. Still in the phase where you count by months. <laughs> yes, yes. I, you know, I have two little grandsons. And because of them, there's an aspect to Victoria's death I think about a lot. And that's the effect her death will have on future generations. The reason I think about this a lot is because of a death in my father's generation. His older brother died serving in Europe after World War II had ended. He was 18. My father was 14. Growing up, I always had a deep curiosity about this unknowable Uncle George, but whenever his name came up, which was rarely, things got quiet, the mood darkened. In fact, the only story I really know about him is one my dad told me when I was in my 40s. We had taken a trip to where our forebears lived. We walked down this hill and to a watering hole, and my dad told me about his brother teaching him how to swim and how they ate berries. And later I found in my dad's papers, his writing about that as a young man. Wow. Boy. What a beautiful memory. Yes. And I found a sketch that his brother did that my father saved of my dad. You know, it says something like John at eight or something like that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like I was lucky to have the box that that was in when my older sister and I divided up the boxes and that I will keep it. And that by pure happenstance, I have been able to record a piece of what my Uncle George was like and the relationship he had with my father. So when Victoria died, I said, we're not going to do that. We're going to celebrate her, remember her for all the joy she brought us. And I'm proud we've managed to do that. 
And I wonder if my grandsons will have a more full picture and not feel that death is necessarily a bad thing. What makes this topic hard is we're afraid of death. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's definitely a topic that most people just would rather not even think about, like just push it to the side. But I love how you mentioned how you are making her memory something joyful and something that everyone gets to be part of. And that's how we feel about my dad as well. And I just think of all the love that he gave me when he was here was like these little seeds within myself. And he nurtured that so much. And I get to continue to to nurture that and to grow that and to also pour it into my children. And we're part of this huge legacy all together. And just because he's not here physically in the way that I wish he could be, that doesn't mean that he can't be part of it and that his wit and humor can't be part of it and that my kids can't know about him and, and see pictures of him and hear fun stories about him. And I can fill in those gaps for them and help them understand what made him so special and what made him so loved by so many of us. And I think that it's an honor to get to do that, especially parenting my own kids now, because there's so many things that we shared together that I can share with my kids now. Like for example, my dad used to play Blackbird by the Beatles for me at night before I would go to sleep. And so I didn't start it originally. He must've heard it on the radio once when I was playing songs and my son started asking for it at night. So now every single night he says, mama, can we play the Blackbird song? Can we play my song? And so now a song that was mine and my dad's is now mine and my son's. So it's just, we get to pass it on to our children and it's a moving living legacy, even if we're not together in the same way that we imagine we would be. From I Look to the Morning Sky, An Unexpected Friend. It's true that grief may never end, but hope has become a gentle, unexpected friend. From I Look to the Morning Sky, Hope. Hope is a whisper in a season of loss. It's subtle, but not silent. It's patient and persistent. It soothes and it stays. And may we always find ways to listen for it. Listen for it. Listen for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grounding Grief. May the promise of the new year grant each of us greater peace, comfort, and hope. Happy New Year.